Hello, hello. Today, I want to talk about boundaries and give you a little background about how this all happened to me. How did I end up becoming a type of person who doesn't have clear boundaries? Welcome to Through the Fire, a podcast about how to live life while experiencing emotional abuse. Each week, I'll share my experiences with you and we'll break down the lessons I've learned and help you apply them to your own life so that we can all start living with joy and purpose while learning how to keep ourselves safe and sane. So when I was eight years old, we moved in with my mother's partner. And at that time, I was very clear with my boundaries and I had absolutely no problem setting them. A story that my mom likes to tell and I like to tell is one time when I was in sixth grade, a friend of mine called on the phone and my mom handed me the phone and the conversation went kind of like this. Hello, how did you get my phone number? Did I give you my phone number? No, oh, you stole it off the sign-in sheet that was posted by the door? Yeah, I didn't give you permission to call me, so don't call me at home ever again, okay? I'll see you at school, goodbye. And I hung up and that's how the conversation went. I had no problem setting boundary. My boundary at that time was the only people who are going to call me at home are people who I give permission to call me at home. And I didn't appreciate my friend taking my phone number off of the roster by the door without my permission. And I told him exactly how I felt. And I wasn't super upset with him. We were still friends after that. When I hung up the phone, my mom said to me, wow, you must really not like that kid. I said, no, we're friends. We're good friends. I just didn't give him permission to call me. And when I think back to that, that's like a really iconic moment in my life. When I think back to me just standing up for what I wanted, I didn't care about what he was calling about because I mean, really in sixth grade, what's that important? You know, the point is that my main priority was taking care of myself and getting my desires met. When I think about setting boundaries in my life today, That's what I think of. I think I want to get back to that person, that type of person that just, I just said what I needed. I didn't care about hurting other people's feelings because I wasn't being mean. That's the thing is that now in my life, when I set a boundary, I feel like I'm being mean to people. And that's not the case. Setting boundaries is not mean. If people get their feelings hurt by you setting boundaries for yourself, That might happen, but that's ultimately their responsibility to deal with their own feelings. You're not responsible for other people's feelings. And that was a concept that I was well aware of when I was in sixth grade. Now, we talked last episode about what a boundary is and how to set it, but I want to go over it again for those of you who didn't hear last episode. So the thing with boundaries is they're how you stand up for your own standards. They are how you get what you want out of life and They are not designed to control other people. When you set a boundary, you don't actually get to determine what other people are or are not allowed to do. A lot of people think that. They think if you're setting a boundary, you're saying you don't get to treat me like that. Or, you know, you you need to stop doing this or that or the other thing because I don't like it. And that's not what a boundary is. A, A true boundary is you telling somebody what you are and are not willing to tolerate in your life and what you are going to do about it because we can only control ourselves, right? You can't control other people. So setting a boundary could be like, I don't like it when you drink and drive. 
if you choose to drink and drive, I'm going to stay with a friend for a few days. So ultimately, you're telling them you're an adult. You can do what you want to do, but I don't have to like it and I don't have to be around for it. Another example of a boundary is I don't like when you yell at me. If you're upset and you start yelling at me, I'm going to leave the house for a few hours and I'll come back and we can talk when you're calm. You're not telling him, don't yell at me. You're not telling him you're not allowed to yell at me. You're saying, you can yell at me if you want. And if you do, I'm leaving because I don't want to deal with that. That's how you set a clear and effective boundary. And another thing about boundaries is that they're only effective if you're willing to enforce them. And that's been a huge problem in my life because I remind myself of that moment as a kid And I say, I'm going to start setting boundaries. I'll set boundaries, but then I kind of let them slide. I'll go back on them. And that's a huge problem. Because when you let things slide and you start relaxing the enforcement of your boundaries, then the people around you know that they don't have to, like, listen. They don't need to modify their behavior because it doesn't matter. You're just all talk anyway. You're not going to do anything. You might say you're going to do something, but you don't. So, rewind. (laughs) When I was eight years old, we moved in with my mother's partner. I was super good at setting boundaries at that point in my life. But what happened was, as an eight-year-old, I felt really mature. I felt like an adult because my family had some, you know, a little bit of dysfunction going on, which caused me to mature a little bit faster than I, I should have. But even though I felt so mature for eight years old, my brain was still developing the way a normal eight-year-old would have. So I was like a sponge. Everything that happened around me, I really internalized And one of the things that happened was my mom's partner was very controlling. They were an addict and they didn't like me specifically. And they didn't like my brother either, but but they sent my brother to live with my dad. And so then I took the brunt of all of the abuse. And one of the things that they used to do to me is tell me that I had no manners, tell me that I was mean, tell me like basically just criticize my whole personality And I didn't want people to think that I was mean. I wanted people to like me. I needed to be loved. I felt pretty unstable in my home life, and I I didn't want to feel unloved at home. So I tried really, really hard to just make them happy, to do what they wanted. You know, they said I was selfish, so I started doing everything I could to just think about other people. And they said that I was mean, so I tried to be overly nice. That I said I wasn't aware of my surroundings, so I started becoming hypervigilant, constantly looking over my shoulder. I just tried and tried and tried and just twisted myself into a pretzel, and nothing I ever did was good enough. I tried so hard to be overly nice to everybody that it probably put me in danger a couple of times. And then they handed me a book on manners. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't have manners? Like, what? And they said, no, you don't. You're just, you know, you never really learned that. And I mean, that's my fault because I haven't taught you properly, but you really need to learn it. So basically, it was like a constant barrage of attacks on my personality. And so that really made me question myself and why I'm setting boundaries. And am I allowed to stand up for myself? Am I allowed to get what I want out of life? Do I deserve this? And over time, it started to wear on me. We were living with that person until I moved out of the house, basically. Right before I moved out, we moved next door, but I was still seeing them pretty regularly. They were still a huge influence on my life until I I got married as soon as I turned 18 to get out of there. 
because my family life was a constant attack on my personality, I turned to a guy to help me escape. And at that age, with that kind of experience, I chose somebody who was an addict. I didn't know what else. You know, it was it was familiar. They were fun. Um, I saw it as an escape. I, I felt like I was in love. I desperately needed someone to love me and take care of me. And that's what I did to get out. It wasn't really what I wanted, but I didn't feel like I had a choice. So that started my path of really dysfunctional romantic relationships. And the more I would set boundaries, the more people would get upset with me. Over time, I just learned that boundaries are not, they don't work for me. And that's absolutely not true. And what I needed to do in that situation was not give up on my ability and desire to set boundaries, but to push harder, to get better at setting boundaries, to really take a stand for myself, for my needs, for my desires, and to do whatever it took for me to create the life that I wanted. And I had no idea how to do that. And I got really lost and caught up in this until pretty recently. You know, and I'm in my 30s now, and when I look back on my life, I just realize I, I can just see the whole thing unfold. I can see what kinds of issues I would have grown up with if we hadn't moved in with that person. And then I see exactly like how everything changed when we moved in there. And the exact things that they said to me and did to me that made me shift my behavior. And I have a pretty clear understanding of how I got to where I am today with with weak boundaries, with letting people walk all over me, becoming a people pleaser, doing anything and everything I can to just keep the peace and make sure nobody's mad at me. And I can see how ineffective that is for me to create a life that I love. You know, if I'm constantly looking outside myself for happiness, if I'm constantly thinking like, well, if I can just do what they want me to do, if they're not mad at me, then I'll be safe. When am I going to spend any time chasing the things that I enjoy, the things that make me happy, the hobbies that that bring me peace, right? I don't have time for that because I'm so busy trying to make everybody else around me happy. And I'm so worried about what other people think of me, which by the way, when I was a teenager, I love to say, I don't care what anybody thinks of me. Even when I was in my early 20s, I don't care what people think of me. I had piercings and purple hair and all kinds of stuff. And don't get me wrong, I still love piercings and purple hair. But I realize now that I did care what people thought of me. I cared a lot about what people thought of me. And I wanted people to think that I was unique and special. And that's why I was doing that. Now I don't, I don't have any piercings. I don't have any weird colored hair. I look pretty normal compared to the way I used to look. Not saying I would never go back to colored hair. I love that, but but it would be for different reasons now. Now I would do it because I just think it's cool and it's pretty, but not necessarily because I, I needed to feel special. I needed to feel pretty and unique. And I want you to know that this clarity and these realizations and my ability to look back over my life and see exactly how everything unfolded and what led me to who I am today didn't come easy. It didn't come fast. It came with a lot of work, a lot of deep inner healing work. I have been to therapy. I've been working with coaches. I have been to seminar after seminar. 
I've done journaling. I've done meditations. I have worked on myself tirelessly to try to improve myself, which now I see my journey for self-improvement to be better was all linked into this as well. Now Now my journey to be better is not to become a better person so other people will approve of me. Now my journey to become a better person is so that I can find my own peace and my own happiness in this life while I still can. I thought that being what everybody else wanted me to be was going to make me happy, and that doesn't work. It never worked for me. It's never going to work for me. So now my focus is really shifting on developing some sort of relationship with a higher power, following a path that makes me feel fulfilled, and doing what I need to do to take care of me above all else, because that's really all I can do. I think it was the Dalai Lama who talked about world peace through individual happiness. And I really believe in that concept. I think that if we all work to make ourselves better, to bring ourselves peace and joy and fulfillment and happiness, it's going to have a collective effect. If you think about somebody who you know who is just free and they're carefree, they they feel compelled to take care of themselves, to do whatever it is that brings them joy and bliss. Being around people like that is infectious. It feels good. It feels amazing. You feel, I want to be just like them. I want to feel carefree. And I wish I had the ability to just, you know, be whimsical and fun, you know, and just being around people like that helps make the world a better place. And they're not doing it for anybody else. They're not doing it with the intention of making the world a better place. They're just following their own bliss and it's bringing the world vibration higher. It's making the whole world a better place just for them being in it. And that's the kind of person that I wanna be. That's the kind of thing that I wanna chase for my life. I wanna fulfill my purpose and create individual happiness so that I can then spread that to the people around me. That's my ultimate goal. And I am so grateful to have been able to find these resources and these outlets, coaches and mentors who have put out all kinds of free content on the internet because we all know if you're in an abusive relationship, financial abuse is a big part of it. And while I have had some money over the years to invest in myself, it hasn't really been on the level that I would like. And the free content that people have put out, if you're willing to search for it and you're really dedicated to creating a better life for yourself, you can find some amazing free resources. Podcasts like this one, for example, are great, great places to be able to learn and analyze. When you take advantage of these free resources and then you put in the time to do the work on yourself, really miraculous things can happen. Your whole life can turn around. And I've seen that in my life and in other people's lives. So that's kind of where I'm at today, feeling very hopeful. I really hope that this episode has helped shed some light for you giving you the desire to go back through your own life and kind of figure out how things got the way they are. Because once you have that clarity, then learning to heal it is going to be so much easier. It's almost impossible to fix a problem if you don't know what the problem is. I really encourage you to take some time to do some self-reflection and figure out exactly what it is that has brought you to where you are today. Enlist the help of some professionals to help you work through it, whether that is a coach, a mentor, a therapist, counselor, anybody who can help you work through the trauma 
And if you don't have access to any of those resources, just start on YouTube, start with podcasts, start with books. There are so many good books. If you guys want some book recommendations, head over to our Facebook group through the fire where you can get your questions answered. You can find support. You can connect with other people in your similar situation. You can expand your resources and your network. Everybody knows isolation is not the place you want to be when you're in this kind of situation. So really want to encourage you to join us on Facebook. And if you have any questions that you would like answered in this podcast, you can leave them there and we'll see you over on Facebook. Also, don't forget, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps it get out to more people so that they can learn to get through their own fire and live a meaningful, joyful life.